We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Our Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Rijberg here today with Nick Whalen. Uh, we got a great show lined up. We're talking about the Stake League auction. Went down last night. Got a few news items to get to. Uh, before we start with that, of course, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, 
Google Play, uh, some kind of like rabbit ears contraption, anything that you can do to write us a positive review. We'd greatly appreciate that. Thanks to those of you who've already done that. Um, if you're on like if you're on like, the sidewalk and there's wet concrete, if you could write us a podcast review there, even just put like five stars or something down in People the concrete, know means, yeah. they'll know it's referring to this podcast. And again, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, so without further ado, Let's begin. Uh, our senior parking editor, Nick Whalen, is here. He participated in his first uh, Staff League stake auction last night. I, how do you feel about your team coming out of this? Do you feel like you, you built a, a team that has a chance to win, or at least a team that will give you a chance to be in the mix as a stake eater rather than a perpetual buyer? Yeah, yeah. This is my my introduction uh, into this stake league, and uh, I guess we should probably give a little bit of background information. I'm, I'm sure longtime listeners of you know, uh, the Rotowire XM show or the Rotowire podcast are maybe familiar, but basically the way it works is, you know, you throw, you throw together an auction league, the top seven, is it buy their own or, uh, eat or get their stakes paid for? Yeah. The way it works, you can probably explain it much better than I have since you're, oh yeah, I'll, I'll just take, I'll thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Um, I, I think the best way to explain it is we cut the league into a scenario where the top half of the league gets a free steak dinner, appetizers, drinks paid for by the bottom half of the league. So, in any given season, if we have 14 teams in the league, yeah, the top seven go to dinner, the bottom seven have to pay for it. You can have different wrinkles. Dead last can pay an extra share of the bill. Um, if you have an odd number of people participating, you can have someone in the middle just pay for their own dinner. A lot of different things you can do. But yeah, our, our league this year is a 14-team auction, non-PPR, quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, a tight end, and then a kicker along with three IDPs which adds a wrinkle that I don't have in any of my other leagues. It's one defensive lineman, one linebacker, and one defensive back. It's a $200 budget for the auction. It's a league I've played in probably for eight or nine years now. I think I'm right around the, the midpoint. I mean, most of the people in the league tend to be back and forth, you know, a couple good years, a bad year here and there, mixing, and it kind of works out in a way where most people are close to 500 as far as whether or not they've purchased a steak or eaten a steak for free in any given year. I know like Chris Liss has been pretty dominant overall in the California division. Uh, I know like Jason Thornberry has probably been the inverse of that to kind of level things out. He's even won the league though before. So it's, it's one of those things where it, it's a lot of fun because it, it brings your league together in January, or early February for like one last gathering, especially if it's like a home league with a bunch of friends, things like that. I highly recommend adding it in. We, we have a low entry fee for this league too, because the steak dinner cost is pretty significant. So when you go out to a good steakhouse in, in this area, we're, we're in Madison relative to like Chicago or New York or LA. It's, it's cheap for a steak. It's still going to be 80 bucks or a hundred bucks a person for a share of the bill because a steak's going to cost you 40 or 50 and a couple of drinks will run you 20 bucks. And if they get an appetizer or dessert, there's another 10 right off the top. So the entry fee is only like 20 bucks. So if you play in a league like this, you know, consider your entry fee maybe to be, a less important aspect and everything's based on total points. So you remove the, the variance that annoys people about traditional fantasy football leagues. And a lot of people don't like the fact that when you're playing in a league, some team gets hot in week 14 rolls to the playoffs week 15, 16, they win the title and they didn't have the best team all year. The stake bet makes every single week matter. So as long as you're putting up a good number every week, you can put yourself in a position to be an eater at the end of the year. All right. That was a very thorough explanation i appreciate that i was not going to be able to do anywhere near that good of a job but to answer your original question 
I do feel okay about my team. I, I think after the draft, I, I was talking to Rotowire's John McKechnie, and I gave myself a B minus um, first auction of the year. Um, you know, I wasn't really too familiar with the process. I've done mostly snake drafts in the past, um, so I kind of took I kind of took the the strategy that I expected going in, which was to be conservative at first. You know, not jump on you know every bid, which can be which can be tough because you know we started off with Todd Gurley. I think Antonio Brown, Zeke Elliott were some of the first two or three players nominated. So you have some big names right away. You know, guys you, you obviously want on your team. So it can be tough to resist. I ended up buying Allen Robinson. He was my first nomination, obviously a Jag. Uh, He was the sixth nomination overall. I got him for 47, which was a little bit of an overpay at the time. Directly after him went Jordy Nelson for, I think, $33, maybe $34. 34, yep. 34. Um, So that didn't make me feel great about it. Um, But at the same time, you know, this is non-PPR. Allen Robinson isn't a guy who racked up a ton of catches last year. I think he was right at 80 a big touchdown guy, a big yardage guy. So I don't feel terrible about it. Um, I really, really wanted Mike Evans. And I believe Jake Letarski nominated him three or four players after Robinson. And at that point, I was still licking my wounds from thinking I had overpaid for Robinson. And I didn't want to spend, you know, close to 100 bucks, what would have been combined uh, on my two receivers. But overall, I'm happy with how it went. I ended up getting Sammy Watkins uh, for 36 probably a little bit more than I would have liked to pay, but kind of betting on the upside there. My running backs, Jonathan Stewart uh, and Jeremy Hill, who who I both like. Uh, Pretty low upside, I think, for each as far as, you know, being a a top four or five guy when it's all said and done. But But I think they both have relatively high floors. I was really thrilled to grab Paul Pazluzny for a dollar as my my linebacker. Um, Grab Matt Jones for a third running back. I got Sterling Shepard. And then the... The play, I guess, that I'm most proud of, I kind of waited it out. And, you know, what's cool about using ESPN to, to do these auctions is I thought the draft room was set up really well, you know, as far as having all the tools that you need right there. Um, and then, you know, kind of being able to see what everyone else has going on. So I, I didn't have a quarterback for, you know, a long time. I think it looks like I grabbed Winston with the 133rd nomination. Um, so at that point, uh, my strategy of, you know, kind of saving up and, and being conservative, I think I had probably double the amount of money remaining and double the budget remaining than just about everybody, which in hindsight didn't end up working all that well for me, but I was able to pay up a little bit and grab Jameis Winston at 16. At that point, you know, I think 11 of the 14 teams had already had a quarterback and it was basically a bidding war between myself and Jake. Uh, and he having a lower budget, you know, really wasn't willing to go above $15. So I was really, really glad to grab Jameis Winston. Um, and the way it's looking right now, I'm going to be kind of living and dying by whether or not Winston can take that next step. Yeah, I think Winston's going to be fine. I I look at your team and the problem I think you, you could run into is with the running back position. You know, if Jonathan Stewart has foot trouble, that could be a costly $21 player for you. If Jeremy Hill looks at all like he did in 2014 that's going to be a nice value at 19 they're very important players for you and you got matt jones in that third spot if, if one of those guys falters i mean i don't know what to expect from him i've been kind of on the side of fading him at 13 that's not bad for a starting running back if he emerges to get you right. four four and a half yards of carry something in that range he probably keeps that job and it's just fine I, I like washington's offense a fair amount if only because i think the nfc east is going to be a pretty shootout prone division so there's going to be some scoring opportunities if Matt Jones can keep that job. So I'm not as high on the running backs you picked as, as you are, but that's, <laughs> I might be biased. That's fine. Like that's, that's how it should be. Like you should, you should like the players that you, you purchased, I mean, especially in an auction where you've got a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. to go after whoever you want. But one thing that I, I think is interesting to, to mention for the listeners. I mean, if you, if you're new to an auction, even if you've been them before, you really have to be careful 
about holding out of the hammer too long and the hammer being like the extra money compared to the rest of the room. Because if you're too patient with it, if you keep looking at your your list of players using the draft kit on the iOS devices or the RotoWire draft software, and you keep thinking like, oh, I'm going to get value on these guys late. I'm going to have an extra dollar or two for every player I want for you know two running backs, two receivers to fill out my team. You might realize that there's someone else in the room who has a similar amount of money left who will push that player to an uncomfortable point. So then you look at it and say, okay, I don't want to pay eight dollars for Kamar Aiken, so I'm gonna let him go. But that was the guy you thought you were gonna get for three instead of for one with the extra money you had. And if that happens enough times, suddenly you've got an extra pile of cash and no one to spend it on. So finding that sweet spot, I think it's one of the more challenging things about managing your money in an auction because it may make sense to not go overboard with the players early on. If the prices are just cost prohibitive where everything's coming out eight, ten, twelve bucks above your projected value, you don't want to go all in trying to get stars and scrubs in that market you want to wait a little bit it's just the waiting can be a really challenging approach if you let certain players slip through later on yeah and i think as far as overpaying you have to be selective i guess about who you're comfortable overpaying for you know i'm trying to you know scroll through and look for an example of somebody i thought was uh you know was overpaid for i think brandon marshall at some point it looked like you know in the auction his value i remember was you know, it looked like the bid was about to end, I think, in the, the mid to high 20s, which for Marshall was a good value. I think it was 27, 28. And then, you know, by the end of it, I think he ended up going somewhere in the mid 30s. So, you know, for me, I, I think if you're going to gamble on somebody, it has to be someone that, you know, one, of course, you're you're you believe in personally, I guess, someone you're very high on. And it's got to be someone with that upside. You know, I don't think you want to overpay it for someone that everyone in the league knows has a certain ceiling. The other thing that I would suggest is if you are using printed cheat sheets, software, whatever you want to use tear off the players in a way where when the last running back that you like in a certain projected range comes up, if you have money then and you need the running back, go at four or five over. I mean, at that point, again, what are you saving it for? But if you have those lines marked off in advance, I think you're less likely to make a mistake. You know, like Ryan Matthews was a good example on my team of a player that at 19, I don't love him. I almost had him at 15. Somebody hit a plus one pretty late on the timer to, to bring him up a little higher. It went back and forth. I probably would have gone as high as like 21 and then I would have backed off. And it's not because I think he's a $21 player, mm-hmm. but it's because based on the market for a second running back, I couldn't get a player I liked as much for a significantly lower price. And once he was gone, we were looking at five and $7 running backs and I would have had too much money left for that spot. And I wouldn't have been able to really make up that ground short of, you know, making a trade or connecting on a pickup in fab. So I looked at it more as I don't love Ryan Matthews at $19, but I absolutely hate the backs that I'm going to get if I don't pay up the extra few dollars to get him. How do you how do you feel about the auction strategy of, you know, rather than just hitting the plus one button, you know, jumping two right away, you know, especially if you're in a bidding war, you know, it's down to you and one other person. And, you know, let's say you're starting at 15, all of a sudden at 16 and 17 and 18. What do you think about instead of just bidding 19, jumping right up to 20? So in that way, you know, you're kind of, I guess, hedging your bets in some way that, you know, you're going to get them. You might pay up an extra dollar, you know, for all you know that the other person you're bidding against might not want to go above, but if you bid two, then they have to basically go plus three to top you. Yeah. I look at it more as a way. If, if the number is at the point where you're still below your max, you can go plus two or plus three. You know, if, if the player, if you have the player, you say the most I'll spend, let's just say we're talking about Arian Foster, the most I'll spend on Arian Foster 
is $18 and the bidding's at 12, you can jump it to 15. Right. That's fine. But what might happen then is it's going to go from 15. Someone hits plus one at 16. You can jump $1 to 17 or be out if it goes to 18. If someone goes to that point or you can jump from 16 to 18 and walk away. I think it's really just a matter of being as disciplined as you possibly can be. The only way to get better at auctions is to just do a lot of them. I mean, it helps yeah. that for me, I, I do a ton of them for baseball throughout the year. And I think that's made me a better auction player in football, even though the player pools and the approach vary a little bit. I mean, I mm-hmm. find that stars and scrubs tends to work a lot better in football as a general roster construction strategy. Whereas in baseball, I can, I can go, I can kind of go to the, the inside out method where it's more a bunch of 15 and $20 players across the roster, as opposed to a few big ticket players. I think you can do well going that route, but football, there's so much attrition because of the injuries and there's so much value that comes into the league on the waiver wire, almost on a weekly basis. I want to lock up as much star level production as I possibly can in the draft and then just deal with the usual problems by going to the waiver wire. I, I know that 60% of my team that I have right now will be as valuable as I expect, but the other 40% will either get hurt or underperform. And because of that, I'm going to have to be active no matter what I do, but I want as much certainty as possible. I know Odo Beckham, we haven't seen a player like this before. So paying 53 bucks for him, it doesn't bother me because to me in the worst case scenario, if he's healthy, he's worth like 40. And if I lose 13 on Beckham, I'm still getting $40 worth of value. If I go out there and I spend $24 on Devonte Parker and he returns 12, I, I'm losing a similar amount of money, except I'm returning even less in terms of overall value because I started at a lower point. So so you're basically saying it's better to pay up for the big time talents if you're going to overpay. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm more comfortable playing that way. I mean, yeah. like Rob Gronkowski went for 43, and I, I think he's for for those listening who play fantasy baseball. I think the Gronkowski problem is like the Clayton Kershaw problem in baseball. He's just so much better than the other tight ends, so much more reliable, and then the ceiling is just another level above what anybody else can do. And I, I looked at it more from the spectrum from the standpoint of if Todd Gurley and Beckham and Antonio Brown, and those guys are worth low fifties, mid fifties in our league, Rob Gronkowski's a first round pick in a snake draft. His value shouldn't be more than five to $7 behind those other top talents. So I was willing to go up to the mid forties at the very 45 at, at least, and maybe gun to head, maybe it's 47 or 48 where I actually stopped the bidding in the other stake league. Cause there's two now. We have so many people. I think he stopped at 34. I mean, like I was, I was really surprised when I heard that because he just seems like the kind of player in a 14 team league, aside from the fact that you'd never have to worry about the tight end position, unless he goes down with an injury, it frees up a roster spot. This league has really shallow benches. We only have six bench spots. And when you consider that we have the three IDPs on top of the usual positions, it makes it a lot more difficult to stash players away. When we get to the bye weeks, especially most people have to cut their IDPs. Like new people in the league are looking at this and saying, Oh, it's cool. I'll pay three or four bucks for a good linebacker. But you know, if you've played in the league before, you're going to have a tough roster decision to make. You might decide to keep that linebacker, but you may have to cut a running back. You've been stashing away for a few weeks, especially if it's week four or week five and it's a player you still believe in. So the, the, value of Gronkowski goes a little deeper in a league with a shallow bench. It's the same with paying up for a quarterback. If you pay up for Rodgers or Newton, someone that you're going to start every week until their bye week, you don't have to roster a backup in most leagues. And that gives you more flexibility to take chances elsewhere. Yeah. So looking at your team overall, you mentioned you got Gronkowski for 43, something you were comfortable with Beckham uh, at 53. Um, Was he the second highest price receiver behind Brown? 
Yeah, Antonio Indeed. Brown went for more. I was surprised that David Johnson got up to 56. Yep. That's um, high. That's too high. It was more than Gurley at 54. I mean, Hopkins went at 52. Timing in an auction is is so strange too. You you just don't know what's going to happen with other players at the position. You don't know where people are going to be budget-wise an hour in versus 10 minutes in. It's it's really it's really hard to look at the the dollar values in a vacuum and say okay, this guy made a mistake. He overpaid because Mm -hmm. the order matters. The context matters. So I I would keep that in mind. If you're looking at any auction results that are out there, every single auction is going to have some unique wrinkles. The whole room might just freeze up on a player at a certain time and someone walks away with a great deal. I think you getting Kamar Aiken, you know, for $7 was a great deal. And I think you got him pretty late. You know, I remember it was to the point where there really wasn't much of a bidding war for a guy who's, you know, a, a top tier receiver in what's not a great offense, but it was an offense that threw the ball a ton last season, probably, you know, against their will in some ways. Um, but I thought like you said getting getting him at uh, for seven dollars at at uh, selection one fifty one. It was to the point where everyone else was so drained that they you know nobody could really pay up for him at that point. Yeah. And that was the last really like expensive player I, I could buy. I think I had a max of nine bucks, maybe mm-hmm. if, if that seven actually may have been my max because of the Gary Barnage buy a little earlier. But the thing is, I, I was just talking about Gronk, like if he frees you up and having to get a backup tight end, I didn't want to get a backup tight end, but Gary Barnage is worth more than $3. He's probably worth right. like 10 to 12 pretty easily in a 14 team league. Somebody was going to get him at two. And I just thought, all right, if nothing else, I'll bid three, they'll bid four. Maybe I'll go five. They get him at six. I stop. And then, I, then they get a good deal, but it's not complete robbery. He sold to me at three and I was surprised. And I thought, well, if I get him at that price, I, it's cheap Gronk insurance. If something bad happens to Gronk, I'm not screwed at tight end. There's going to be a market in the league to trade for a tight end. There aren't 14 tight ends that you want to start each and every week. Guys are going to get hurt. I mean, Ladarius Green, we got some kind of disappointing news on him today. We'll talk about that in a little while. Uh, Eric Ebron has been dealing with injuries. I mean, even Julius Thomas going for $1. You know, I'm a little bit biased towards him, but I, I think he's not a $1 player. He's fringy in a league like this. I mean, Kobe Fleener went for 12. Like, in, right. in what world? That was weird. That, that was one of the... the there was a bidding war that. for him, though. Yeah. It wasn't just one guy jumping it from 2 to 12 early right. on. Like, he went out late enough where there, there were teams that were down a little bit in cash. I mean, he went for 12. Yeah, that caused me to kind of take a look at my notes and start scrambling and thinking, like, I was on this... I somehow missed something about how Kobe Fleener was just going to go off this season. I don't see it. I mean, I, I don't know. People just think that, like, oh, well, Jimmy Graham was really good in that offense. Is that it? Is that the whole thing? Like, I think it might be. I mean, Kobe Fleener, I know he had to share time with Dwayne Allen in Indianapolis, but he was working with the same college quarterback, same college coach for a good portion of his right. time in Indianapolis. And it never really happened the way we thought it would. If, if it, if he couldn't do it in that environment, why would it be significantly better in New Orleans? I don't think he's gonna be a bad player. I just don't think he's gonna be worth 12 bucks in a league where somebody only had to pay eight to get Travis Kelsey. What did you think about, speaking of New Orleans tight ends or former New Orleans tight ends, Jimmy Graham going for $4, um, Brigham Hain of Rotowire was able to grab him. Uh, the only guy in the league to, to really pull out a creative uh, team name for the draft. And, you know, surely there's plenty of time to, to change those up before the start of the season. Um, but he gets Jimmy Graham for $4. That was somebody I really wanted uh, at the time. I, I still had some holes to fill. I didn't pounce on him. I ended up grabbing uh, Martellus Bennett later in the draft for three dollars you know you know similar price similar upside to me but i feel like jimmy graham is kind of in some ways the melvin gordon of tight ends in that 
you know, a lot of hype last season, significant underwhelming production can't really be that bad again. Right. I mean, it's not like Seattle has this stable of, you know, two, three stud receivers that are ahead of him. It, you know, you'd think that with a full off season, you know, to kind of prepare and work him into these game plans that they'll find a way to get him involved. On the one hand, I see that. I mean, I, I thought he would do more last year. I had a lot of shares of Jimmy Graham, but coming off pretty major knee surgery. Yeah, and true. think about the way that he was used before he got hurt. It wasn't optimal Jimmy Graham usage. Like no. Daryl Bevel didn't seem to have a scheme that made Jimmy Graham anything near as productive as he was in New Orleans. And that was before he had a knee injury. Now they seem to figure something out when he was hurt. Doug Baldwin was a dominant red zone receiver. Who would have seen that coming? I, I've really tempered my expectations for Graham in part because of the health, but also just because of the way he was used before he got hurt. To me, there was no indication that the Seahawks were going to build packages for Jimmy Graham. I think part of the problem too, though, earlier in the year, they were having some difficulty on the offensive line. So he was being asked to stand and block a bit more than he probably should have been. And I think that was also a big part of the reason why the production Mm -hmm. was lagging. So at four bucks, it it could be a nice buy. And we're talking about a guy that not that long ago was considered an elite tight end at the Gronk level. Right. And that's the thing. The the floor is, is certainly low, but the ceiling is still so much higher to me than just about any other tight end. Yeah, at four bucks, it doesn't hurt you that bad. If, if he's struggling with the knee, if he's right. not getting the targets after the first game or two, you can cut him and move on. Right. I mean, we saw Jordan Reed. He was one of the first guys nominated number seven. He goes for 19. Like, would you rather have Jordan Reed at 19 or would you have Graham at four? I'd rather have Graham at four. And I think it's because I have an extremely negative view on Jordan Reed staying healthy. He's had right. several concussions throughout his career. I mean, it just seems like he's another concussion away from a two month absence, if not a season long absence. And I I'd like the talent he brings to the table, but it's, that's more about, I'd rather spend 19 bucks on something else aside from Jordan Reed than it is an endorsement of wanting mm-hmm. to have Jimmy Graham as a tight end after rely on every week. Right. And, and like I said, Reed was the first tight end nominated. I mean, and, and as you hinted at earlier, you're going to have anomalies like that uh, in just about any auction. But you, know, you talked about the, the concussion issues with Jordan Reed, Jake Latarski was able to grab Ladarius Green for six bucks, uh, which last night looked a lot better now than it does this morning. Um, Jordan, or excuse me, Ladarius Green now dealing with recurring headaches, hasn't been on the field. Uh, he was coming off of ankle surgery. That was thought to maybe be the issue. His agent now coming out and saying that the ankle's fine, uh, but he's basically having what it sounds like happened to Percy Harvin. Well, yeah, but in this case, there's a direct link to multiple concussions that he had right. in San Diego. Where with Harvin, I feel like he was, was getting migraines. Yeah, yeah, it was just migraines. They didn't really know why he was getting them. Now it's entirely possible yeah. that Harvin had concussions from high school or college exactly, or right. something that had accumulated and caused him to have those symptoms. But I don't know if that was ever really something any team was suggesting back at that time. Yeah, I mean, you look at that now, it, it looks like six dollars down the drain and, and more importantly for a guy like Ladarius Green I mean he's apparently considering retirement so it must be pretty bad if, if these concussions happened nearly a year ago and he's still having symptoms now it makes sense that you know not playing is something he's considering at this point and it leaves some targets to be had in the Pittsburgh offense not to just like cast them aside <laughs> and go back to now that that's over <laughs> now that now that we've just pushed Ladarius Green into a corner like, and it, it sucks it's just this it is just the nature of football well Marcus Wheaton went for four bucks Sammy Coates went for five bucks I uh, Marcus Wheaton was was nominated I think much later than people expected I think a lot of people kind of forgot about him frankly um but does that sound right to you I mean to me this is still Marcus Wheaton's job to lose I thought Wheaton would go for the same price as Kamar Aiken, like seven yeah. or seven or yeah, eight yeah. bucks. That seems right. And I thought Coates would go for one or two. Right. I thought if, if he's thrown late, 
when no one had any money. It'd be a nice $1 buy if he was thrown pretty late when a couple other teams had an extra buck or two. It'd be a $2 bid. Like, that's that's what I expected. There was The $5 jump on Sammy Coates was surprising. And I I was I had him in this league a year ago. I bought him for a buck in the end game last year, knowing that I was probably going to cut him. But thinking, hey, if the size and speed gets on the field in that offense, it can be uh, really useful. So Sammy Coates, I think, does have some intrigue. But at 5 bucks, I didn't really think that was uh, worth taking the chance on in this particular case. I mean, you were, I was looking at your running backs before. We were talking about that. Sterling Shepard at receiver for 9 bucks behind Robinson and Watkins. That looks like a pretty good buy because I have little faith in Victor Cruz staying healthy. It's something Mario Puig and I have talked about a lot. It's just you'd love to see it. It'd be a nice story, but would you like put money on it by investing in Victor Cruz as a fantasy asset? Absolutely yeah, I mean, Cruz not. was a $1 player in this auction. I think everybody was kind of on the same page there. And I don't know how high I, will, I would have been willing to go on Shepard. He wasn't a guy that I was necessarily targeting. I mean, a, a guy I like quite a bit in college. Like, I do have this issue of just kind of falling in love with players. Like I got Tavon Austin for four bucks, you know, not a wild overpay by any means, but I, I fall in love with these guys that I loved in college. And, you know, especially late in drafts, it's easy to just kind of snipe players that you like, as opposed to guys who might be in slightly better situations. Um, and Shepard was kind of one of those guys. But like you said, if Victor Cruz isn't healthy, this is a guy who's going to have a very, very good chance to be the number two opposite Beckham. Obviously, Beckham's going to command a ton of attention this season. I'm a little concerned because Beckham himself is what, 5'11"? Is that what he's listed at? Yeah. Shepard's a generous 5'11", 5'10". Yeah. Um, and he doesn't, he's not quite the, he's not the physical freak. I shouldn't say quite the physical freak. He's not the physical freak that Odell Beckham is. So it, it does worry me a little bit that, you know, he's essentially a guy who maybe should be a slot receiver in the NFL who's going to be spending more time on the outside. I don't know how that, you know, kind of hastens the, the adjustment process coming in from Oklahoma, but four year college guy, you know, four years of production at the college level. I, I think, you know, you look at Corey Coleman, Josh Doxson, um, who Laquan Treadwell, Treadwell you know, the list yeah. goes on. Uh, I think Sterling Shepard, even though he's a second rounder, belongs right in with those guys. Well, you may have landed in the best spot to produce right, right away. I mean, I think there could be a pretty smooth transition for Sterling Shepard. So as a third receiver in a 14 team league, I think you're going to be OK with that. And, you know, maybe some weeks you'll have a tough decision. Your fourth guy might get into the mix a little bit, depending right. on how he's coming along. But it, it seemed like an upside play that was worth going mm-hmm. after. I almost pounced on him. Alan Hurd's DJ. Had, I met up with Rotowire's DJ trainer after the draft, and he admitted to try to trying to bait me with Jaguar players. Where did you guys go draft. meet up after the draft? Uh, Jenna's oh, wonderful you, Jenna's. Uh, I'm just glad off, you guys just off the Capitol Square. Yeah, I'm glad you guys didn't go to Chasers. <laughs> no, no, come on, not on Wednesdays. Not on what day do you go to Chasers? Not Wednesdays, other days, other days, yeah. other days. Yeah, uh, I'm, we're not even going to pry further into that one. We're just going <laughs> to no, let that don't. one. Let that one roll on by. Uh, looking at some other things I did in this that I was surprised were even possible. I got Drew Brees for 15. I think there's reason to bake in regression with him. The home road splits over the last few years continue to hold up. So that's something to consider. But for the first four weeks, I'll play him every week. After that, I got Tom Brady for 10 bucks. I was price enforcing. I don't j- just like the situation with Gronk. I didn't want a backup quarterback on my roster. I got much more than a backup. I've got it set up now where once Brady comes back in week five, I can probably look to start flipping Drew Brees to a team that punted at quarterback, maybe some team that gets less mileage out of their roster than they expect. I mean, Jake Letarski was talking to us at lunch about his team. He's got Andy Dalton at three and Ryan Tannehill at two. 
I don't think he's going to be happy with that combination. I, I think he went too cheap. As he a was the last position. guy to get a quarterback. I believe. I think it was down to him and Aaron after, I think he, he basically had told me, yeah, like I wanted Winston too. We were both on the same page. And, and as I said before, I just happened to have more budget remaining at the time, but yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think you're in a really good spot. I was surprised that nobody bid up Tom Brady, whether they wanted him or not. I mean, getting him at 10 bucks, he's not missing eight games. No, I mean, that's the thing. If, if he weren't missing any $25 would be the price. Right. I mean, granted, at this point last year, or maybe slightly before, like we were in the same situation with Brady, right? Under under the impression that he was going to miss four games, and you know, obviously mm-hmm. now it's a lot more, you know, set in stone, I guess, than it was at this point last year. But he wouldn't have gone for ten dollars in an auction last year. No chance. It would have been probably high teens, low twenties in a league this size. And you combine what I paid for Breeze and Brady, twenty five bucks to have basically Brady all season with Breeze for the first four weeks. Like that, that's well worth it. And I can turn Breeze into something else, maybe even just a spare part. If if Breeze is horrible for the first few weeks, somebody will still want to buy low on him. because Well, there's a chance that Breeze is good for the first four weeks, too. I mean, it's Drew Breeze. Also possible. (laughs) You're not in a bad spot, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I I was just really surprised I was able to pull that off. And then the running back position is probably where I have the most concern. I mean, Ryan Matthews, the injury concerns are well documented. But at 19 bucks, he could be the lead back pretty easily, catch a lot of passes. The per game numbers should be very solid for a league this size. The other player I invested in was Matt Forte. I thought he'd be a little more expensive than 16, so I was pretty happy to see him go for that. But with the hamstring trouble coming out of the start of training camp, I just wonder if that's the kind of problem that's going to linger throughout the season. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, I think at that price, you kind of have to live with that risk. I mean, this is a guy who's going to walk into being the number one back in what could be a pretty decent offense and what was a good offense last season i mean this being non-ppr obviously he loses a little bit of value but you're still going to get that yardage on the ground and you might get uh, 300 total touches i mean right. he might carry the ball 230 I, 240 I times and plan. catch 60 70 balls yeah I, I don't think i don't think they're looking at it as you know we're just going to run him until he gets hurt but you know from a fantasy perspective that's kind of how it looks yeah I, I would agree with that now what else surprised you about this there were a couple of things that stood out to me Kirk cousins Kirk Cousins was thrown at 20. Of course, Mike, he got Mike crickets. Gay. Rotowire's Mike Gay, yeah, yeah, threw out Kirk Cousins at 20. I actually really like Mike's team. He might he might have my favorite team overall, but that by uh, Kirk Cousins at 20 was probably, the, at the time, uh, that was nomination number 36, at the time, the, the story of the draft. Yeah, I, I like what he ended up doing, even though the, the path he took to get there was a little bit unorthodox. And if he'd spent the 20 on Cousins on something else, he got Ben Roethlisberger later at 15. I think he was just surprised. Maybe it was price enforcing. Yeah. Wasn't sure about Cousins and realized as soon as he threw him, he's like, I should have probably thrown him for five or 10 and, and maybe I would have walked away. Yeah, that, was, that was a mistake on his part. But yeah, I mean, like you said, he ended up with Roethlisberger, who he probably, I think, ends up starting over Kirk Cousins to begin the year. Got Melvin Gordon at 15 bucks, which I like a lot. I think that's just about right for where his value is. Could end up exceeding that by quite a bit. Uh, Adrian Peterson at 45, maybe a little bit higher than I would have gone on, on AP, but you know, he's going to get the carries as long as he's healthy, the yardage is going to be there. The touchdowns have gone up and down, but you know, this Minnesota offense didn't get a whole lot better, you know, in the passing game. So this is still Adrian Peterson's offense. Um, but as far as other surprises overall, um, Jordy Nelson going for only 34, that's lower than I would have thought, especially in a league that's comprised of a lot of Packers fans. Yeah. I mean, if we had this auction two weeks ago before he was missing time in camp, I think Nelson goes for at least 40. So there's a yeah. nice discount right now because the uncertainty, having some trouble with his other knee, not the surgically repaired one that he tore the ACL in a year ago. But the weird thing about Peter Merrill's team, he's the one that got Jordy Nelson, Jordan, uh, Jordan Reed injury risk, 
Jay Ajayi, existing injury. I wanted to stop you there. Ajayi at five. I, I think there were there were a lot of running backs that went for one or two dollars who to me are on the same tier or maybe even slightly better than Jay Ajayi. Yeah, I mean, but if if you're if you're on board with the idea that Arian Foster is extremely unlikely to play sixteen games, sure. Ajayi is gonna get a few games where he's a starter, five sure. bucks isn't. And bad. Foster only went for eighteen, which I think was still somewhat of a bargain considering his history. Yeah, but you look at I mean, Michael Crabtree's had a lot of injury trouble in his career. Marvin Jones missed the whole year with a foot problem in Cincinnati. Danny Wood had I mean, a broken leg. It's kind of just a random fluke thing, but he, he's got risk up and down the roster. If everything goes his way, his team could be great, but I, I see a lot of variance in that team. I, I just wonder, oh, yeah. I wonder how many roster spots he'll end up turning over over the course well, of even, the year. Right. I mean, Lamar Miller, I think is about as, as solid as it gets at 48 for him. But after that, like you said, it's a Jai Langford and Woodhead I don't know if you can look at any three of those guys and feel really good about their position. I mean, Langford, I guess, is, you know, the better of the three to start week one. But come week five, is he even going to be the number one back in Chicago? I don't think anyone can say that with a ton of certainty. The weird thing is, I don't I don't think anybody was really all over Jordan Howard either. I know he got purchased late for a buck. But if if you believe the Bears can run the ball effectively at all. Jordan Howard yeah. for a dollar is a good end game flyer. I thought Mario would be all over that. I mean, he's been he's been pumping up Jordan Howard more than just about anybody, and and he he let him go for a dollar. Yeah, he he had a pretty typical like Mario sort of auction <laughs> though. He was pretty aggressive. Ended up with a lot of the guys that he really likes. Well, right, both him and, and Eric Kateria, I thought you know they sat out the bidding for the most part, but when there was a guy that they wanted, they were not going to stop you know to, until they got him. Yeah, he loaded up at receiver to kick things off. Keenan Allen at thirty three looks like a pretty good buy. Devontae Parker at twenty four. Eric Decker at twenty four. I think sometimes we lose sight of how solid Eric Decker has been in his NFL career, dealing mostly with average or well below average quarterbacks. I mean, this guy just gets it done year in and year out. C.J. Anderson at thirty eight was a, a tick high, but I, I think at the time. There weren't that many potential top 10 running backs left, so I don't really have any major problems with that. I know Mario likes Marcus Mariota a lot, so getting him at 10 was something he's probably pretty happy about. And then to get Phillip Rivers for four, I mean, if something goes wrong with Mariota, you got a guy in Rivers you can plug in every single week. So Bortles went for 10. Yeah. And Rivers goes for four. If you, You can overthink it when you have a quarterback toss up like that every week, but that's a good problem to have. I mean, it's a problem, but it's a good one. Jordan Matthews went down to 14. I know he's been uh, dealing with an injury in camp, but he's expected to be back before the opener. That's a pretty good discount for a guy. That's that's a number one receiver. Clearly the number one. If you were totally healthy, what was he going to cost? 24, $25. Yeah. I I mean, I don't even know if the health risk was all, you know, in in consideration all that much. I think people are so down on this Eagles offense for what, from what happened last year that you're getting guys like that at a discount. I mean, it's a different coaching staff. Right, it's a different everything. Think about what Doug Peterson and Andy Reid were doing in Kansas City with that personnel. Philly's personnel is mm-hmm. no worse than what Kansas City had available for most of the last year, especially after Jamal Charles got hurt. Felt like a really quiet night for the Chiefs. I mean, obviously Charles went off the board pretty early, but uh, but after that, I mean, it was basically what Charles, Kelsey, and Macklin, and that was it. That's that's the skinny tree. That's it. That's yeah, what it, it is. It not, just you bringing up the Chiefs made me think like I don't really remember any any Chiefs action going down. But Jeremy Macklin for twenty two. Uh, this is a guy too. I think it's, it's kind of in the Decker uh, category, being underrated. The touchdown totals with him are just so seemingly fluky. I guess on a year to year basis, that twenty two. To me, I'm fine paying that. I don't know if I'd go above maybe 25 for Jeremy Macklin. So ordinarily, you'd be 
scared of dealing with a passing game where you don't really project the starting quarterback to throw more than 22 touchdown passes. Right. I mean, that's like maybe 24 at yeah. most. Like, well, but is Macklin going to get 14 of those? We don't know. Well, it, who, who's all going to get them? Macklin and Kelsey. And then Charles a couple, like, grabs a couple, couple running back ones, sneaks in yeah. one extra, like an Albert Wilson one or something like that. But it really should be like not Dwayne Bowe. Eight to ten, yeah, not Dwayne Bow. What's Dwayne Bow doing these what days? What is Dwayne Bow doing? Eight he, to ten, he was not taken. He's, he was not taken. Eight to ten for a guy, you know, like a Jeremy Macklin. Maybe six to eight for Kelsey. So even if they both hit the high end, that's eighteen of the twenty-two or twenty-four. You don't need that many more to go around. But that's that's the benefit of looking at a team that doesn't have an overwhelming amount of talent. If, if it's a skinny tree for a passing game that doesn't have high volume, it can still be fine. You know, you're not you're not dealing with a team like I don't know who's a good the Packers are always a good example of this. They they throw it not as much as you think, and they're really efficient when they throw it, but they spread the ball around so much to their depth receivers that chips away at the value of a guy like Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson on occasion. And they're not the best example of this, but some teams spread the ball around a lot more than there's the Saints are one where it's not necessarily a group of players you can rely on outside of maybe Brandon Cooks. It's like Brandon Cooks and the field. You don't know mm-hmm. what Willie Sneed's going to get versus Michael Thomas versus Fleener. And then they add in the fullbacks. They add in Brandon Coleman. And you're just like week to week. It's all matchup based. You don't know if your guy is actually going to do anything. That's not a problem at all for a team like Kansas City. And I think that's what makes Jeremy Macklin so appealing. Right. And again, that's why we saw so few players, you know, from Kansas City come off the board just because, you know, basically to run home what you just said, I mean, they don't, they just don't spread the ball around whatsoever. And I think Green Bay is a decent example of that maybe 2013 2014 green bay um although jordy nelson was still able to stand out and and you know basically what he was able to do as a deep ball receiver i think was able to to separate him but we'll see if that's the case again this year yeah i was thinking more like last year when everybody was banged up nelson was gone things things i don't know if there's been more frustrating football to watch and this is from from me a non-packers fan just from, from just, Jags fan. Jags fan yeah, right. says that 2015 <laughs> Packer football was frustrating that, to watch. I can't think of anything more frustrating that that's happened to me. No, and exactly. Well, that, that hammers home my point even more. I mean, it was just just brutal, brutal offensive football. Yeah, it, it really was. And I mean, for most of my lifetime, watching the Packers has been very joyful every yeah. week. Like well, that's part of it too. Is he, even when know. they, even when they would like when they lose games, it's a right. shootout. It's a close game. It's a good, it's some, it's very watchable last year was well, right. You watching that. I think it, it reached peak frustration uh, for Packers fans. What Thanksgiving, the they bring out that game yeah I, I had to listen to the, the second half yeah. of that game on the radio yeah, i watched I, the first half got in the car to drive from milwaukee to madison yep. in a downpour listening to that game on the radio may have been as bad as watching it i i, I realized well, that it was like, i watched the first half and the first half was awful oh god yeah but the second half the last drive where they just could not score in a situation they where had like typically they last score drives where it looked like all right this is the last one yeah and they would somehow get the ball back with like no time off the clock um yeah i, I think i watched that i had to watch the game cast i was at my grandparents house in you, were, you were in the hot tub weren't you yeah i was sitting in i'm impressed you remember the first the first hot tub yeah. poisoning incident Man, well i didn't get poisoned thank god that time uh but yeah i had to watch a game cast from a hot tub at a country inn in suites in hampton iowa um, and it was, that's it was, living the good life right yeah, there it, it, with a bunch of like family that doesn't care about the NFL at all and doesn't realize why I'm yelling. And were you adopted? There's significant traction to that theory. I'm not really sure. I, I've never really asked about it. I don't think so. 
You don't think you're adopted? I don't look like my family. I'll say that. Have you ever asked? Like, if you never ask, your family never has to tell you. They seem to have quite a bit of photo evidence that would suggest that I'm not adopted. Um, Are they in the pictures or are you just like always by yourself as a child? Now that you mentioned it. No, no, they're in the photos. But, you know, it's tough to tell all all babies to some degree, especially new babies. Hey, Photoshop was not around in the in the early 90s. They can make old photos. They can make new photos look like old photos. I don't know, Nick. This is this is. (laughs) All right. We'll we'll get back to Adoption Watch. We have have to do some investigative reporting here. I mean, based on the fact that your family wasn't excited at all about that of of, of all games, that was that was the Bart Star and and far back at halftime. Thanksgiving Day game. You would think you were worried about getting ejected from Thanksgiving, weren't you? Like for for one to watch football during dinner. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big thing, too. There was something else. Something was going on that was on TV that my grandma really wanted to watch. But I don't know. We'll see. I don't think I'm adopted. I guess we'll find out if, if like Tom Rinaldi shows up to my door with a camera crew to film an E60 segment next week. Maybe that'll be the deciding factor. Are they into that E60? They're into the adoption story? Yeah, well, it'd just be an interesting story, you know. Well, they're just, they're just, into the backstories. Just text your like text your mother. Actually, no, that's, that's actually bad. Te- text your dad. Just be like, hey, dad. So I adopted. Like, asking your mother is kind just, of an insult. Just cold text without any context. No context. Asking you, for work. In, <laughs> asking for work purposes. Work, my boss needs to know. Include include emojis too. Yeah, we'll just, see. Like banana emoji. Was I adopted? Like I don't know. It, it's the it only explanation. It more confusing. I don't know. Maybe you don't want to know. Maybe maybe you're better off not yeah, knowing. Yeah, things have worked out pretty well not knowing. All right. Well, one other news-related item to pass along. We talked about Ladarius Green earlier on. Uh, Stevie Johnson had surgery to repair his meniscus. He's not going to play this year, so he's on IR. Uh, really opens things up quite a bit for Travis Benjamin. Maybe we see a little more Dontrell Inman for the Chargers as well. But that was really those are the two big news items. We've been kind of quiet so far as far as like top 100 type players suffering major injuries. Good. We're still tracking the Jordy Nelson thing. I. I don't know at what point I'm going to become significantly concerned, but the caution lights on. I mean, you're looking at this situation right now and you're kind of like, all right, why, why is he not on the field yet? Really? Is it, is it just inflammation? Is it just a little fluid build up in their knee or something more severe going on? We never know. So we got six games preseason, real preseason, assuming that field conditions are adequate should kick off tonight. We got Jags jets. We got, Redskins, Falcons, we got Buccaneers, Eagles, Saints, Pats, Panthers, Ravens, and Broncos, Bears. Uh, Saints, Patriots is going to be on NFL Network. That's at 6.30 p.m. Central. We know these games are available online. Which of these six games are you going to be keeping an eye on, if any? Who? Obviously, Jags, Jets is kind of a given. So which are the other five? Yeah, what's my second favorite game yeah. on the board? I'm going to say the Bears. Bears, Broncos. I want to see if the Bears can run the ball at all i think that's kind of an important thing to keep an eye on and a part of that's going to be the offensive line i mean that's that's a big part of it for them but so few players get significant reps in the first week of the preseason it's really just a matter of figuring out like which rookies are actually going to play Mm -hmm. i might jump around a bit between the games but i think tonight to be completely honest and listeners are going to be really disappointed at me for saying this i think the women's all-around final for gymnastics is on so i'll be watching that is that individual? Didn't yes. They, didn't the U.S. already win the team one? Okay. Yes. Well, I'm with you on Broncos Bears, but for the other reason, I think I think Denver. We're going to finally get some light on the quarterback situation. I think. That, <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. No. Well, they're all going to play. We're not going to get anything definitive. They're, obviously, they're all going to play. They're, they're going to give Paxton Lynch. I want to see how Paxton Lynch looks in the second half. Tall. Um, he's going to look tall. Certainly. Uh, Browns Packers is tomorrow night. 
what do you at what point in the preseason do you actually start tuning into to Packers games? Once the Packers start playing, like it, it it's on at my house, yeah. especially if my in laws come over. I mean, they, they're big football fans, yeah. and like to me, the preseason games are good background noise. If there's certain players I want to watch, I'll tune in for those series, those snaps, or I'll watch the highlights. They'll watch a game start to finish. They'll have it on kickoff yeah, that's, that's to risky. final whistle. I need to be bribed with beer, cheese curds, things like that to really like stick right. with it all the way through the second half when you know the, the bottom end of the 90-man roster is starting to play. I always forget how bad preseason games are. It's not just NFL. The NBA is the same way. You know, get super hyped up for these games and then... You know, once the first, even when the first team offense is out there, it's just not the same vibe at no. all. It's, it's 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 a little bit slower. There's the mistakes are there. It's just, I mean, it's great to have football back, but week one, you know, it, I mean, week one preseason, I should say, doesn't hold a candle to week one of the regular season. No, once we get to like week three, I think we'll have a better feel for who exactly is going to be getting yeah. reps that matter. I mean, part of it might be you might have a guy playing right now that you want to watch, but he's going up against the second or third string yeah. defense by the time he plays. You at least get a few more matchups the in the middle that matter. So I think that's that's the way I tend to look at uh, the preseason. Any other news or anything you want to pass along? No, I wasn't sitting on anything. I just <laughs> want to make sure. I, yeah, I actually have a huge announcement. You, to make. you look like you had something else on your no, mind. I definitely don't. Um, all right. Well, no, that's good. Well, all right. That's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. We've got a special guest host with me tomorrow because Mario Puig is on vacation. Who is it? I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to I'm going to let it be a surprise. The episode comes out a little later. It's going to be a Friday evening episode. So be sure to check that out. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, and we're back with you tomorrow. Napa know how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com